When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at American Signature Furniture or designerlooks.com. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at manscaped.com. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping on your entire order worldwide. Manscaped just launched their Platinum Package 4.0, and it's their best deal yet. It includes the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, body wash, two-in-one shampoo conditioner, boxers, a shed travel bag, and so much more. Don't forget to use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout from manscaped.com to get 20% off your order and free shipping worldwide. Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. In this episode, we discuss the state of cinema with special guest George Carmen. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. Anthony here. And James here. Today we're going to talk about the state of cinema with a special guest, George Carmi, who is what we call a film fluencer. He's pretty big on TikTok these days. We love his points and his opinions. What's going on, George? What's going on, guys? Thank you for having me. I've never heard Fimfluencer, so I kind of kind of like that. We co- we coined it. Yeah, we might we should trademark that. Yeah, I like Cause that because we, we technically are filmfluencers, even mm-hmm. though we're a podcast first and foremost. But filmfluencing is how we got the following and everything with TikTok and Instagram. And you've killed. You've been killing TikTok the last what six months. You've grown so much. Yeah, yeah. Th- thank you. Yeah, it's it's been a. It's been a big grow over the last six months, but you guys as well. I mean, you guys are all over the place. YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify. You guys are growing like crazy as well. Thanks yeah. for the plug, man. Yeah, that, yeah. We're all, everyone <laughs> listening is like, where can I find Raiders of the Lost Podcast? <laughs> yeah, well, we've been hitting it hard, and TikTok was really the key for us, and that's why we really want to have like more TikTok movie people on that have solid followings because it's really kind of like the future of marketing and entertainment in it and there's such a huge movie culture on tiktok some of it's very toxic just like twitter and stuff like that but still a lot of it's very positive and people just loving film and i think it's really a great place to go if you love film and i, I think a lot of your opinions are similar to ours and your takes on dc marvel star wars all sorts of movies it's really interesting we're a fan of your content bud yeah i love how yeah. you, you you're not really that filtered and you like to st- Call it like it is. You don't really care what people think about you. I like that. You're the East. You're East yeah. Coast, and we're from East yeah. Coast too. Yeah. I mean, you're from New York, so I mean that that is what it is. <laughs> Just kidding. Tell us about your TikTok journey and the movie content, and what made you fall in love with movies. Some of your favorite movies in general, directors, all that. Stuff. Yeah. When did your TikTok start growing? It's uh, you know what I had. At the start of it all, I had no intention on kind of growing on TikTok. I was late to even downloading TikTok. I don't think I downloaded TikTok until the middle of 2020, maybe. Um, So I was way late to that. I was kind of a TikTok hater at first. And then I downloaded TikTok because I saw all these creators blowing up and I wanted to see what it was about. And even at first, it was like, 
I was just posting one TikTok a week and it wasn't even movie related. It was just me being like stupid, thinking I was funny, posting some dumb TikTok. And then I posted one TikTok stitching a video asking what I thought the best year in movies was. And that video blew up. It got about 3 million views in like two weeks. My follower count went from like 15 to like 3000. And I was like, whoa, I, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed talking about movies and having people listen to me, whether it's the ridiculous amount of hate I get in my comments or a bunch of people enjoying what I say. And I'm sure you guys see the hate as well, but it's there all the time. I love your, uh, your, your Instagram highlight. That's all the hate that you post. (laughs) So good. I was going through that the other day, just chuckling. Um, It's only the cream of the crop. Yeah. The best one. The funniest ones. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah. And then once that TikTok blew up, I just started posting more consistently about movies, whether it be rankings, uh, reviews, um, anything talking about movie news, you know, those selection videos that people always tag me in. And I've just saw enough, uh, seen a consistent, you know, uptick in following and the community around it has been fantastic. You know, I've met other content creators, film influencers, if you would over TikTok, and it's been fantastic. Um, but in terms of like movies, I it's that's been since I was from a young age, you know, I was always watching movies, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. I got into those early and I kind of fell in love with the art of filmmaking from a young age. And that's just something I've carried. And to be able to talk about it on TikTok to, you know, my 160,000 followers is, has been fantastic because I can bother a lot of people with how often I talk about movies, you know, <laughs> and I'm sure you guys, yeah, I'm sure you guys would feel the same way. Um, so TikTok is kind of this like perfect, perfect outlet for me to just talk, you know, talk and whoever wants to listen, you can listen. If you don't want to listen, drop a hate comment and keep scrolling, something like that. So it's, it's been, it's been fun. It's been a fun little, you know, six month, eight month journey. Are you Italian? I'm Greek. Oh, you're Greek. Greek. So yeah, last name I was like, it's either Italian or Greek and it's basically the same thing. And and you talk with your hands. I like it. Just just do me a favor. Quit smashing your desk like there's a mosquito on it. Uh, (laughs) My fault. Don't worry, man. Don't worry. Need that clean audio. Just busting your chops. He's like, Paul, yeah, I love movies and all this. (laughs) I I was waiting for you to say something. He usually knows about a bunch of roasted buddy. here the whole time <laughs> but no man congratulations on your following you have super yeah. high engagement and i think people really enjoy your unfiltered takes some of them are very spicy hut and some of them are really interesting and similar yeah. takes to us and i really like your content it's super fun because we're from the east coast i used to do a bunch of like silly tiktok videos but like with the experience i had on tiktok that was the key to our show growing and that's what i was trying i was on it in 2018 doing that stuff and i was like anthony I'm telling you, when we started this movie podcast, TikTok is the key. Anthony's like, what is a TikTok? (laughs) (laughs) Accurate. So you got in just in time, I think, too, like right around 2020, because that's when everything started booming, whether it be TikTok and social media for entertainment and all like these new apps, but also podcasts in general are booming. So now people are like making careers out of being TikTokers, which is really interesting. And it was always just a marketing tool for us, but it's been very helpful. Yeah, I never, but until you really got me into it. I didn't realize it was more than just people dancing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why it took me so long to download it. I always thought it was just people dancing too. I didn't realize yeah. people went on TikTok to talk about 
yeah. anything else, you know? Well, there's a lot of pros and cons to it, but I think there are really strong communities for any kind of thing you're interested in, whether it be movies, TV, fitness, food. Like, it's all there, and TikTok's here to stay. And the thing with TikTok is they've done such a great job monetizing it for creators, and they just announced last week that all content creators, if you have over 100,000 followers – We've already been making money off it, but now they're going. TikTok's going to split fifty percent of their profits and revenue with their creators that are over a hundred thousand followers. So, like, that's huge news for people who are creators on TikTok. It's going to keep people on the app, and it's going to make sure the the app thrives and survives for the next five to ten years, probably. And their most valuable content creator is going to keep creating on exactly. the app. Exactly. They want they want to keep people on it. So, because they changed the monetization, we started making less on TikTok, more much less than we used to. And now that's very enticing for us to keep hitting TikTok even harder. I want yeah. that TikTok money. I, I wonder when it's going to go through it. because we, oh man, we were making some good TikTok yeah, we money like a year and a half ago. And they started hitting us with shadow bands and stuff. Yeah. It is what it is. But we but. did find an amazing film community and we interact with them um, most, the mostly on our Discord we have now. And we've built a great community of film lovers on our Discord. And it's so much fun that all these people, they would just like start out commenting and following on our TikToks. And now they're friends of ours. And mm. We chat with them daily, and it's become like an, a, a community of people because we started out on that app. Yeah, we wouldn't be where we are without it. Yeah. And for you, what are like probably your most positive and favorite parts about being on TikTok and TikTok in yeah. general? I mean, branching off of what you guys just mentioned, I mean, I've met so many fantastic content creators who I chat with daily, and you know, they interact on my videos, I interact on their videos. If we ever want to spark up a conversation outside, you know, they know to hit me up on Instagram and my DMs. So that's been one of the great pleasures of TikTok is just meeting, you know, meeting you guys, meeting a bunch of other people that share this same passion for film that I do and just being able to chat with them and have like a respectable conversation with them. And then also just the support I'm getting from everyone, you know, not even just the content creators that I'm becoming friends with, but, you know, ever since I linked my Instagram to my TikTok, my, you know, direct messages have been out of control with people just going out of their way to just, you know, thank me for, being this film content creator talking about something they also love. And that's just been, you know, I, I do TikTok kind of for myself just because I like to talk about movies. So to see that other people are kind of attaching to my content and, you know, taking it to heart. I, I, I love that. I love seeing people appreciate what I'm doing on TikTok and not only appreciate it, but finding enjoyment. Before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast, besides using our coupon codes, is to become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost podcast, where you get awesome perks like personalized videos, Patreon shouts on the show, weekly bonus episodes that all patrons have access to, as well as monthly Zoom chats and calls if you're on the $10 and $25. Our $10 and $25 tier patrons also have access to our Discord, as well as our $100 tier patron chosen ones. And not only do we have our chats on there that we interact with every day, we have our watch parties on our Discord. We also just launched our podcast masterclass online course last year. So for anyone who wants to start a podcast or improve their current podcast, our 22 chapter 46 video lesson course will give you all the secrets behind the scenes of our show. The link is podcastmasterclass.teachable.com or go to our website, raidersofthelostpodcast.com. It's right there on the homepage. You can also see all of our content, sources, for merch, custom movie posters, follow, subscribe, wherever you're listening. Thanks for tuning in around the world. Hit the notification bells. Leave the five-star reviews. All right, let's get into the movie stuff. All right, we let's got do a it. bunch of topics laid out. I don't know if we'll get to all of them, but I think it's just going to be fun to talk about the state of cinema in general and everything that's been going on, whether it be streaming versus theaters, Marvel, Star Wars, Disney, Disney's takeover, the corporate takeover of studios like Amazon buying MGM properties like Lord of the Rings and Disney buying 
Pixar, 20th Century Studios, Marvel, freaking everything on the planet, yeah. direct like young directors, all sorts of stuff. So I figure let's start off with the first thing. Do you guys think movie theaters are officially back? Oh yeah, I've been saying they were all, they were never going to go away. I've always been saying that because movie theaters are first of all the best best place to experience a film in a packed theater. The lights go down. You have, you're surrounded by 200 strangers, and you it's like going to a live concert of your favorite musician. It's not the same as listening to it on your phone with your headphones on. It's not comparable to watching a movie at home on your couch. That might be comfortable, but you can look at your phone all the time. You can interact with other people who are in the room with you. So there are plenty of things that can avert your attention away from a movie, whereas experiencing a film in a theater with a crowd is the best way to experience a film. And people love it. They've brought event movies back after covid Thanks to things like Marvel and big picture movies like Spider-Man was a big step up for us after the pandemic to get people to go to theaters again to re, re relive the experience of like seeing a huge movie on a big screen with a crowd of people, how much fun that is. And also for the studios, they tested out streaming rentals. It did not work out. The real money is in theaters. That's where they're going to make the bang for their buck. So they want to commit to theaters. Absolutely agree. What do you think, George? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. When when this pandemic hit, I was nervous when theaters closed because we saw this massive boom of streaming at home. And I don't know about you, but a lot of people around me, they started to get a little too comfortable not having to go to the theater. And, you know, as someone who adores the movie going experience, that's something I did not want to see happen. Because like you said, the movie going experience is phenomenal and spider-man no way home is the perfect example of just sitting there with the crowd leaving everything outside of the theater out escaping reality and just enjoying a movie for two two and a half hours with a group of people that also love film so yes cinema movies they're back movie theaters are back big blockbusters are back and i love it i love seeing people flock to the theaters to watch these movies whether it's a large blockbuster or a small indie film i think the movie going experience to me is just one of the great joys of the world and to see it back in full throttle, seeing these large blockbusters kind of take over the world. I, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. One of the great joys of the world. I love that. I completely <laughs> agree. Cause I was so scared. We were scared like a year and a half ago. We did an episode. It was called streaming versus theaters. And this is like middle of the pandemic and everything is still shut down. We were like, our theater is going to make it out of this in art and um, arc light in California went out of business, a yeah. great movie theater chain out here that was gone. It was, we used to go every week. That was our spot. Great theater that's gone. But thankfully all these diamond holding apes kept AMC alive. So we're, we still got AMC thanks to Reddit. Thank you, Reddit. Thanks to you. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a shareholder. Your 12 shares kept AMC afloat. I have more than 12 <laughs> shares. Don't worry. I got, He's more, got 17. I got more than 12. No, it's, it's like it's like 40. Uh, anyways. <laughs> Bought at $9. Anyways, but we were so scared. And we actually went and saw a tenant. When that tenant, when it came out in June 2020, we saw that in San Diego. We had to drive to San Diego from Los Angeles because everywhere in California was shut down. But San Diego has their own rules. It was the only theater open pretty much in California or in the region we were in, Southern California. And so we drove there to see it. So like me and Anthony, we, we love the film going experience. It's one of the main reasons why we fell in love with film is going to the movies so often as kids. And growing up and that movie still did pretty well but then after that we were so worried with all the streaming then wonder woman they did the experience experiment with warner brothers where they did wonder woman was released digitally 
at home at the same day it came out in theaters on Christmas come out, Day. Yeah, they just released it in a couple of theaters. Yeah, not, but it's still like, technically like the same yeah. day test. But it wasn't a wide release. Didn't make yeah. that much money at all. They probably lost a couple, like at least $100 million easily on that. And then, you know, I think the first movie that we saw for real coming back to the theaters was The Green Knight, I think. And that yep. was a great experience. It was a packed cinema. And it was June, I think, 2021. Spring. Spring or like yeah. May, April, May is yeah. 2021 awesome experience to just be there with a fully packed crowd everyone experiencing experiencing this amazing film with the green knight and then um and then after that we still had the talks of like is it going to survive is it going to keep going but like we like anthony was saying movies like no way home making 1.8 billion dollars at the global box office and then i think it broke the domestic box office record almost for, did for united yeah. states is like second place behind yeah. avatar is just amazing news for the cinema because you know people will intake movies how they want if they want to stay at home it's teach their own nowadays then you have that option to wait for it to come out on streaming it's, it's your life you live it how you want but it's so important to have movie theaters open for people to go to see movies because if we don't have movie theaters movies that we know them today and that we love them and have loved them our whole lives will eventually become extinct and also they the studios tried to test out rental numbers and so black widow was an example where it made a fraction of what it would have made if it was just in theaters and then also DreamWorks and Pixar tested out rental releases. Also, their their animated films made about like 150 to 200 million dollars from rentals. But these are movies that would pull in 700 million, 800 million dollars yeah, if in theaters. So they lot they they realized, oh, we're losing out on probably half a billion dollars per movie if we just do rentals on streaming. So we have to go back to theaters. So I'm just so happy that 2022 has been a great year for the box office and these movies come back. So I'm very excited for going forward theater so i think we answered the question that they're back they're back <laughs> they're definitely back <laughs> all right how about we yeah, move I'm on i'm thinking i'm back I'm thinking i'm back <laughs> <laughs> let's move on who do you guys think are some of the best young directors working today i'm like people who have like three or less films under their belt three or less so i think i'm going for me it's going to be like damien chazelle jordan peele greta gerwig ari Aster, and then also i will throw in robert eggers in there as well just off the top of my head. That's a great list. I, I throw all of them on my list as well, for sure. Absolutely. And especially with Ari Aster and Robert Eggers with the horror genre, really helping revitalize and pump new life into that genre. Absolutely. Very important, yeah. What, what about you, George? I mean, George, what do you think? I have all of those people on my list. I'll also toss in Olivia Wilde and Edison Oda and even John Krasinski. What he's done to yeah. one of his movies has been fantastic. But we mm -hmm. have, I think Damien Chazelle is leading this pack. What this man has done in three films, I think has been sublime, but everyone you have mentioned, we're, we're in good hands for the future. Yeah, yeah. What do you think's Damien's best film? Oh, Whiplash. Oh yeah, I nice, Whiplash. I like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I think, yeah, I think Whiplash is one of the best acted movies I've ever seen. One of the greatest screenplays I've ever seen. It is just, it is his masterpiece right now. It is, but not to say La La Land and First Man aren't two phenomenal films because they are. To have a first three film in a career as good as First Man, Whiplash, and La La Land, he's already cementing himself as one of the greatest of this decade, of this century, and of all time. Absolutely. I would put I, I put Whiplash 1, First Man 2, and then La La Land 3 for him. No, so yeah, I think I like Whiplash that. is his best movie. I think Whiplash might be his best movie, maybe, but my favorite is First Men. I think that's a criminally underrated movie, oh, yeah. and it's so damn good. This guy is such a talented director, and the scope he's going with his films have just gotten bigger and bigger. 
And honestly, if, if people don't think we've been to the moon, like just watch First Man, even though it's a movie. Like I showed it to Anthony and I was like, so you think we've been to the movie? He's like, yeah, we've probably been. <laughs> even though it's not like, it's a movie. You know what I mean? Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah we went to the moon 100%. Yeah, 100%. 100%. But yeah. like what he's done in just three movies is absolutely sensational. And then also Greta Gerwig, she's only done two, but I'm very excited for Barbie to come out. She's also written four other movies that are very good too. And then so also, a great writer. Yeah, and Ari Oster, we have Disappointment Boulevard coming out this year starring Joaquin Phoenix. So cannot wait to see his third film. And then obviously with Jordan Peele, we have Nope coming out this summer, which also looks incredible. Shot that on IMAX cameras. Got to plug it because we love it so much. <laughs> and then <laughs> so damn excited for that. I can't wait. Yeah, we got yeah we got a great new generation. I think Jordan Peele might be my favorite out of all of them because his films so far have been so unique and original and nothing like them before has been made. You're right. And so with him, Eggers, and Ariaster, you're right. We're, we're in terrific hands because I think we've had a horror boom for about like the last 10 years. Not even just them, but films like It Follows, The Babadook. I mean, so many that have just been like changing the genre of horror and co- making it contemporary and modernized. But also, I think we might even be approaching that 70s era of just quality of stories and storytelling in general. I mean... Obviously, movies like Rosemary's Baby and Jaws, they're like unbeatable, but like we're kind of around that realm of how qu- high quality these films are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're, they've become some of the best of the years, of each year, mm-hmm. each one of the films. The quality and the, the high caliber art, artistic craftsmanship put, in, put into each film. Yeah, completely yeah. agree. Completely. Yeah, the, uh, seeing horror boom the way it has, and not only is it just like jump scare horror, but you have Jordan Peele's psychological horror. Ari Aster and Robert Eggers are giving us these haunting demonic visuals in their movies it's not just the classic jump scare that we saw in halloween and jason and then you even have these fantastic original scripts like you mentioned it follows the babadook i'm going to throw malignant on that list and even hulu's 2022's fresh which i thoroughly enjoyed we're seeing some fantastic original scripts in the horror genre and then a lot of these new and upcoming filmmakers their range is unreal you know going back to damien chazelle he made one of the greatest musicals of all time, a fantastic large scale space drama. I mean, he's all over the place. Even Olivia Wilde, her first directorial debut in Booksmart, a phenomenal coming of age story. And now you watch this trailer to Don't Worry Darling, and it's a completely separate psychological genre pulling themes from, you know, Truman Show and Black Swan. So seeing all these directors in various genres and not only are they making movies, they're making really good movies too. It's fantastic. And trust me, we still have years with Christopher Nolan, Denis, Scorsese, Spielberg. They're not done making movies, but when they're long gone, we are in fantastic hands. And someone who I think is probably my favorite younger director. He's a little older than all of them, but he hasn't made that many films as Kari Fukunaga. Yeah. He's because he, he did True Detective. He did the newest Bond. He's done a couple of UK productions as well. He did that series with um, Jordan, Jonah Hill and yeah. Emma, Emma yeah, Stone yeah, that too. one as well. I think he is really probably the best director of his generation working right now. If so, if we're counting someone like in their early 40s, late 30s, yeah, he's sure. really dynamic and amazing. Yeah, great point. Yeah. There's so many. We're, we're definitely in good hands, like mm-hmm. you guys said. All right. And if, um, we're, if we're counting one, one more, if we're counting that. You know, age. I'm going to add Mike Flanagan to this list as oh, well. Oh yeah, yeah, the horror guy. Haunting yeah, of Hill House, one of my favorite limited series. Midnight Mass was a phenomenal follow-up. He did uh, Doctor Sleep, right? 
Or was that, yeah, gotcha. I love Doctor Sleep. Yeah, I love it. Great. I, I wanted to hate it. Movie. I wanted to hate it. <laughs> I saw the trailer. I was like, I can't believe they're doing this. And then I watched it. I was like, Whoa, this movie's great. Rebecca Ferguson was such an awesome villain, and Ewan just is a great lead. Yeah, I like awesome. I like Malignant too. Yeah. Like, so that's J- James Wan's made a bunch of movies, but Malignant was one of those horror movies that. I mean, with the opening of that, we did a review of it. The first, like, 20 minutes, like, should we leave? This movie's just, like, not there. The opening 20 minutes. I like the first minute and a half. But then it's just very slow paced, bad script, well, dialogue and stuff like bad that. Acting. acting is suspect. But then you get a great reveal. You get re- you get rewarded with an incredible new kind of monster you've seen you've never seen in a movie before. So I think that was such a fun experience to see in a movie theater for us. To, to the third act of that movie alone was totally worth it for sure. That that entire last like uh shootout in the in the police station that matrix-esque field. yeah how many people died yeah it was crazy it was like <laughs> equilibrium <laughs> i swear like that is one of the movie scenes where i wish i could just rewatch that for the first time because i had such a fun time with that one scene and that yeah. whole movie but that one scene it came out of nowhere because you're watching this creepy small movie yeah and next thing you know you're in the matrix <laughs> Yeah, it's friggin' insane. And Fresh was pretty cool. I think the idea for Fresh, that movie, was really great concept. And a spoiler warning, if you haven't seen the movie, I would just fast forward like about 15, 30 seconds. I think if they – I did a review of it, and I, I thought it overall it was very solid. But I think the way they should have ended it, and I think would have been great, is if they ate him. <laughs> like how cool would that have been? How, that would have been a sick ending. That, yeah, that, that, that sign me up, man. Because I think the I think the er, the third act was that's kinda, like how Cronenberg it kind of like it. tapered out for me. Like the third, I was like, oh, is that really how they're gonna end it? But I was like, they should have just ate him while he was watching them eat him. Like that would have been sick. That's how I would have done it. <laughs> but it was a cool idea. Yeah, that movie. I I watched that movie with my girlfriend, and I had neither of us had seen the trailer. We had no idea what it was about. All I saw before she pressed play was the genre, and it said horror thriller. And, you know, we're watching this movie and the first 20, 25 minutes is like this, you know, nice rom-com, like an enjoyable (laughs) film. And me and my girlfriend just keep looking at each other. And I'm like, I swear I saw horror thriller. Like, that's what I saw. And then that title card comes up 30 minutes in and the whole thing changes. And that it was brilliant. It it was a brilliant original film. It's just like Malignant. It's really experience. I like people are being very experimental with like the opening credits starting at thirty minutes in. I don't think I've ever seen that in a movie. I mean, let's type up Morbius or Morbius. Morbius's opening credits. Oh yeah, Morbius's like, opening credits. They were the amazing. Best part of the movie. <laughs> they were amazing. <laughs> I love the credits rolling. I'm like, these credits are fucking great. Sure. Yeah, we even like whoa. Yeah, he's like, wow, these credits are really good. <laughs> Design these credits. They're amazing. Did yeah, you like? And then the rest of the movie happened. Then, and you then forgot the movie about started. The credits. Yeah. Then What's it, it started. called? It's called Midbius now, <laughs> or Mobius. <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right uh rest of 2022 we have so many movies coming on i mean we've already had a great year but what are you guys most anticipated for releases at the for the rest of the year so i have top gun top gun as my number one and then i have christian bale's next two films amsterdam with david o russell with uh john david washington and margot robbie and then his film his new film with scott cooper the pale blue eye in which he's a victorian detective who's partnering up with edgar Allan poe investigating a series of murders which is like i love Christian Bale in a period piece, sign me up, Victorian era, hell yes. And his collaborations with Scott Cooper have been cu- a couple of the most underrated films of the last several years. Out of the Furnace is, I think, a really exceptional film they made together. And uh, Hostiles, Hostiles is another one. It's a very dark, very grim film, so it's hard to watch, but they're both 
Really powerful films. He's an excellent director. Yeah, I agree. Out of the yeah. Furnace is such an underrated movie. If anyone who hasn't mm-hmm. seen it, put that on your watch list ASAP. But Christian's having, he's going to have a huge year. Yeah, you're right. This is like the biggest year he's ever had probably. Yeah, could be. What about you, George? What are you excited for? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to ditto everything you just said. Christian Bale is my absolute favorite actor. A quick moment of silence for Across the Spider-Verse. That was my most anticipated movie of the yeah. year. So when that news broke of its delay, I was heartbroken. But to, <laughs> to add to your list, I, I'm going to add David Fincher's The Killer. Um, yes. it's, hard, it, it's hard not to be excited for a David Fincher film. I mean, this man is an absolute living legend, and he has made one bad film in Alien 3. Um, and several movies. But that's I not his it. fault. That movie's not his fault. That's, that's all fair. studio. Yeah, yeah. We all, yeah. You we are. Are. That is fair. Also, The Killer is written by the same writer as Seven. Yeah, I, I did not know that. I knew yeah. it's, it's it's actually, it's based on a, I believe, a French graphic novel, um, mm. which I need to do more research on and I need to buy and read now because I am intrigued with anything David Fincher does. Um, don't worry, darling. Like I mentioned earlier, I think Olivia Wilde is one of the better up-and-coming directors, and that trailer just absolutely floored me. Darren Aronofsky coming out with The Whale with Brendan, Brendan Fraser, Fraser. Yeah. Having, yeah, having a little uh, comeback, which I absolutely do you, love. Do you know what that movie's about? Not really. It's about a man who a man who eats himself to death. Really? Yeah. Wow. Now I get why Orson Welles ate his fat ass to death. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Super bad. <laughs> yeah, I got one more. I mean, Damien Chazelle's Babylon. Yeah, absolutely. I can't overlook that. Early early screenings came out. I've heard the word masterpiece being thrown around, which I think people throw that word around a little too loosely nowadays. But when it comes to Damien Chazelle, I feel like we have to trust that word a little bit. Yeah, I'm really excited about that movie because it's about silent film era as it moved to talkies and probably the effect it has on those stars as a lot of them didn't make that transition. A lot of audiences heard their voices. They're like, that's what they sound like. And then they, their careers like ended on the spot so i don't know if that's what the plot's gonna be like but the cast is absurd for that movie i mean it's margot robbie brad pitt um our boy toby mcguire's playing charlie chaplin which is very cool so super excited for that we also have knives out 2 coming out oh yeah so let's not forget about that and then we have i think two pinocchio movies coming out this year at least one guillermo del toro's pinocchio which is gonna be the stop motion animated one i'm very excited for that because he is amazing one of our favorite filmmakers of all time we also have hocus pocus 2 coming out (laughs) (laughs) really just kidding (laughs) it is but uh we have avatar 2 oh yeah avatar 2 that's coming out christmas day i believe how how do you guys like the trailer i haven't seen it yet i want to watch i'm waiting to see it in theaters it's insane i don't want to look at it online they didn't give anything away it looks stunning and beautiful and like um like he's gonna top i think he might top himself yeah because we didn't see it when we saw dr strange they didn't have trailers before the movie so Mm. i'm waiting to see that in a theater for the first time i don't want to spoil it on youtube uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever comes out also in November so looking forward to that as well Black Adam that's coming out this year right or did that get pushed back that got pushed back yeah so that got pushed spring. back yeah um, all of the DC slate got pushed yeah. back that's right and then right after they how, that how old is that article you're reading I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Bullet, Bullet Train with Brad Pitt looks, looks really fun, fun. yes that looks, that looks really cool yeah. I, I want to see that obviously Nope which we brought up with Jordan Peele and Elvis looks pretty good, I think. Yeah, Elvis looks good. I think that looks like his best movie he's made in a while. And then obviously Lightyear by Pixar is coming out this mm-hmm. year. That looks great. And yeah. Jurassic World Dominion is going to be Velociraptors and Motorcycles. Let's go. Sign me up. And <laughs> I think we just have a great rest of the year coming up. <laughs> Speaking of the rest of the year, what do you guys think the front runners will for 
um, best picture will be. I think Babylon might end up being the front runner for best picture, and then maybe Amsterdam from David O. Russell will be a, a comp- competitive one for yeah, sure. Right now, I'm putting my money on Babylon. I haven't yeah. even seen a trailer or anything, but I just think, we, we, like as George has been saying about yeah. about Damien Chazelle, he's just one of the best out there. You can also tell from the release date; it's a late release date. Yeah, yeah, I, I have I have Babylon atop my list of best picture front runners right now, and we've also surprisingly haven't mentioned Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, yeah. I don't know how we it took took us this long to mention, but I mean, that's best, pic- I best picture right there. That, any, that anytime. Might, he is might. just a shoe in for best picture. Same thing with Spielberg. We have the Fablemans coming out, which has yeah. been described as his Belfast. And, you know, between West Side Story, The Post, Lincoln, this man is just still on fire. He's still on fire. Anytime he makes a movie, just shoot him in for the Oscar. The post is great. The post is awesome. It's in Bridge of Spies he just did before that, too. It was really good. It's honestly absurd how many movies that man has made in his career. Not only just how many movies, but how many great movies he's, he's made. He's like the Michael Jordan of, of, of uh, basketball. It's absolutely it's, insane. It's insane. When you look at his filmography, like, how does a human being do that? And, like, just from the sheer volume of great, iconic films, you you he has to be on everybody's top director list, top ten all time. He might be the most talented director of all time because, I mean, I get a keep watching his movies but i just watched world of worlds the other night and i don't love the third where the story ended up going in terms of the screenplay but the just that his directing is so phenomenal and the way he moves his camera and blocks his scenes out it's just nobody has does it the way he does it even to this day and the post has so many of those great famous spielberg long takes that are weaving through rooms going from character to character not cutting kind of disguising it from the audience that it's a long take but it's really been they haven't cut for like three minutes straight and it's all over that movie and bridge of spies too it's just the guy is just amazing at what he does i would love to see him go back to like just doing a horror movie that'd be really cool because i mean obviously jaws you could even say war of the worlds is a horror movie well he directed poltergeist yeah no he's not credited but yeah he he made that true so i would love to see him go back to those like horror roots because even et at some point scary kind of a horror movie close encounters is kind of a horror movie at times so like he's been doing a lot of these like bigger like these other budget like temple of doom is a horror movie yeah that's crazy (laughs) that's a horror movie that that is a graphic movie that was a pg movie and kids saw people get it getting their hearts cut out of their chests that's the movie that changed that changed the mpa ratings parents were complaining saying their kids were like horrified watching this movie because it was pg honestly i would probably do the same thing the guys are getting thrown into lava pits like lowered into the lava it's pretty messed up it's i love it though it's so great it's awesome yeah that movie's so dark because he had he's going through a divorce him and and george at the same time so they made it just like they're angry and so they just made a a violent horror movie screw it (laughs) (laughs) i love it like i want to do an episode on spielberg but it's gonna be like 17 hours it's not only how many films he's had and how consistent he's been but he's also just widely across every genre which is just i think the most impressive i have a i have a tiktok video coming soon so spoiler alert he is my greatest filmmaker of all time. I have him number one on my list. I think what he's been able to do in the seven, six, seven decades he's been working has been unmatched. Obviously, Denis, Christopher Nolan, Scorsese, what Alfred Hitchcock, what all these guys are able to do has been nothing short of spectacular. But Spielberg's consistency range across genres is just 
phenomenal to me. It's something I don't think we'll ever see topped again. All right, I want to hear everyone's most underrated Spielberg movie. I'm I'm picking Minority Report as his most underrated, underrated movie. Spielberg Minority movie. Report. It's unbelievable. That's a really good pick because yeah. I love that movie. We saw it, we used to watch it all the time when we were kids. Yeah, we did. <laughs> it's sensational. And because like when you think of Spielberg, you don't. Most people don't even think of that in their top ten of Spielberg movies. Yeah, that's why I think it's so underrated. And like I I always like to say Catch Me If You Can for most underrated movies because when you think of Spielberg, you think of like Jurassic Park, E.T., Raiders of the Lost Ark movies like that and um i think like catch me if you can kind of gets brushed under the rug even though i think it got nominated. it got nom- I, i'm not putting it because it got it did get nominations at the get nominations yeah, all right uh, hold on, let me minor, pull up, minority report i don't think got any nominations let me pull up his his uh, filmography because yeah. george I'm, you got one an underrated spielberg movie yeah it's to me this is a criminally underrated movie it is a personal top 10 favorite film of all time for me and that's ready player one Oh, oh nice. that is, dude, that good is pick. such a good movie. Good pick. I that, can watch that movie nonstop. The score and the soundtrack, the callbacks to cinema and various Easter eggs. It, it's it brings out the film lover in me. It brings out the child in me. I absolutely love Ready Player One. I adore that movie so much. We, a- we actually we put on this movie a few months ago, um, the Denzel one. I can't remember what it's called with Jared Leto and. We're 20 minutes into the movie and it was so bad. We were like, we can't keep sitting through this. Oh, that was the, um, the little things. The little, little things. things. Yeah. And so then, so we turned it off. We put Ready Player One on to like cleanse our palate. And we were like, this is awesome. They're <laughs> <laughs> way better. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. Oh, this is how you direct a movie. Okay, thanks. Let's see. Oh, underrated Spielberg movie, The Terminal. Terminal's great. That's a really great underrated Spielberg movie. It's very, for sure. very charming, very romantic, yeah. very funny. I'll, I'll select that because everything else is just, most of it's amazing and but like for movies, maybe not a lot of people have seen the terminal is probably a good one mm-hmm. for underrated. But what, yeah, what a great pick. Thanks, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> man, I love that guy to death. Yeah. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Manscaped.com, the leaders in men's grooming, who are turning your shower routine into your favorite part of the day with their new ultra premium collection. Also, get their lawnmower 4.0 groomer because you can use it in the ocean. It is waterproof, so use it in the shower anytime. It's got a built-in light, waterproof, skin-safe, 7,000 RPM motor. We've been telling you to get it for about a year now, so get on that lawnmower 4.0 groomer and shave yourself at the bottom of the ocean. The ultra premium collection, on the other hand, is the ultimate wet goods bundle. It's got deodorants. Yes, actual armpit deodorant from Manscaped that me and Anthony are now obsessed with. It's the only it. deodorant we'll ever use. Body wash, which we're... Body wash. <laughs> body wash. Body wash. Which we use every day, obviously. Two-in-one shampoo, conditioner, hydrating body spray, and a free set of Manscaped lip balm. Head on over to manscaped.com. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout. You'll get 20% off and free shipping on your entire order today. And you know our other amazing sponsor, MoviePosters.com. Use our special promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order today. They have a gigantic selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable. Everything from a Marvel movie to a Pixar movie to your favorite classic. They got you as well as a selection of all sorts of sizes, framing, and backlighting. Whatever your poster needs are, they got you covered. Again, head on over to movieposters.com and use our special promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order today. All right, how about we uh, head on into our intermission and Let's do it. then we'll get back to our episode on talking about all this stuff. 
So George is going to participate as well. He got some questions as well. So let's everyone pull up your intermission stuff. Hopefully, Anthony didn't, hopefully Anthony didn't log into the Google account and look at my answers. I didn't look at your answers. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't need to. <laughs> I get play right on my own. We'll begin with the movie quote competition. I'll go first, fellas. Ready? Ready. I swear to God, if I feel, if I so much as feel someone behind me, there's no measure of how fast and how hard I'll bring this fight to your doorstep. <laughs> That's boring. Give him a second. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Fucking guy. This fucking, this guy. <laughs> You're acting like we don't have a guest on the show. Right, oh, it's boring. It's boring. It's boring. George is like, I didn't even hear it. Sorry, I got excited. No, I, I was, I was honestly, I was too enthralled by your fantastic. Uh, it was great of, of yeah. delivering that quote. <laughs> your face, like you were into it. I got in character, yeah. man. Got in character. Thanks, I always man. thought Matt Damon was more of a Streisand, but I think he's really rocking the shin in this one. <laughs> Sick reference, bro. Everybody knows your references are out of control. <laughs> All right, sorry I spoiled that one. So yeah, Anthony, <laughs> say yours. We'll take a second. All right, Jesus. Okay, okay, okay. Here's here's my quote. You want to know how I did it? This is how I did it, Anton. I never saved anything for the swim back. Oh, good, good quote. I'm, 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 I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss. I'll be honest. That that is Gattaca, correct, Mundo. Ethan Hawke's character yeah. says that to his brother. He beats his brother. Yeah, he beats his brother by swimming out further offshore than him, even though his brother's supposed to be physically superior than him. And then he realized, then that's how he beat him by not wanting to make it back, just by going as far as he could. You ever seen it? I, I was about to say that movie is on my letterboxed watch. Oh, bro! Dude, <laughs> watch, it, watch it tonight. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. It's great. It's great. I, I think that's I, one of the most unrated movies ever yeah, made. Yeah, Andrew Nichols made it. He's an excellent director. Yeah. yeah, people, I, I, I posted a video kind of outing myself recently on movies I had never seen. And mm. the first the first two that I wrote was, one, I've never seen any Mission Impossible movie. Which what? I, I know. What? George, what the heck, man? I Are you, know. All right, sorry, this podcast is over. <laughs> sorry, man, we're kicking you off. That's, that's the reaction I always get. Are you get. effing kidding me? Uh, to make it even worse, I, and I've never seen any Star Trek movie. No one's seen any Star Trek movies. No. <laughs> but yeah, to, to, to end that video, I screen recorded my watch list and that movie was one of them. And my comments blew up like, you have to watch, like, stop what you're doing right now. Watch this movie, yeah. watch Mission Impossible. I had like almost famous on that list. I had a wow. bunch of movies. I, I completely outed myself. There was like a hundred movies on my watch list that, as a film influencer, you would expect me to have watched <laughs> yeah. by now. Yeah. Bro, okay, Gattaca is one of my all-time favorite science fiction movies. It's incredible. And then Mission Impossible, dude, they're th all, except for number two and three, they're good, but they're not great. But there are four great movies in the Mission Impossible franchise. One, four, five, six. All are really terrific action movies. And the newest one, Fallout, that the last one that came out, it's one of my favorite big action movies of all time it's like top three might be Dude, my favorite it might be the movie. best action movie ever made it could be the it best really ever is. made I'm not, we're not it's even really unbelievable saying that in a biased way yeah. it's just like it's so incredible it yeah. really is it's, it's i promise i'm because eight eight and not or seven and eight are coming out yeah next yeah. year coming right up. yeah but next year and the year after i will be caught up by then i'll start very Bro, soon you I, better I be caught up by like next week man <laughs> <laughs> anthony ran off the set <laughs> he's like where'd you find this guy dude 
no, no, no. It's okay. I think there's really a like lot him. of movies out there. And if you like sci-fi, if you like space, but but not necessarily. It's, it's a kind of a space movie, Gattaca. It has to do with space, but it's more about like social science fiction kind of elements. And if you like science fiction in general, it's really great concept, really great film, and it's relevant today. That's I get even more surprising. Science fiction is my absolute favorite genre of yeah nasa scientists actually dubbed it the the most accurate science-based movie of all time because it's going to be real someday yeah. all right well we got to continue the movie cold yeah, it's not a gattaca all right. podcast <laughs> <laughs> all right george what's your what's your quote <laughs> i i have i have i i think it's a decently difficult quote um gentlemen you can't fight in here this is the war room yeah dr strange dr. love, strange love. yeah too easy. I, I thought that'd be a nice curveball. I just knocked that out. We of the were just bowling, we were being polite. Like, yeah. oh, you go. You yeah, go. You go. You go. <laughs> All right. Guess this movie release year, fellas. Dogma. Hmm. Good one. George, you can go first. I don't have remotely a clue. Make a guess, man. Make a guess. I'm going to say 2002. Anthony? I'm going to go with. What year did Goodwill Hunting come out? The, uh, 1999. Yeah. Yes. There you go. You got it. Nice job. Thanks. Matt David today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my guy. One of my guys. Well, I went Ethan Hawke today. Guess this movie release here before sunrise. I'm going to go. Fuck. This is. Those are mid 2000s, that whole trilogy. It's got to be 2001 for me. George? I'm going to say 2000. 1996. Oh, man. The first one's old. Yeah, you're no, right. That number is, two came out. Think about it. They are yeah. so young in that movie. Yeah, right. they were baby face. Yeah. yeah. All right, George. Uh, I I picked this one because it actually shut, stunned me. I thought this was a way more recent, and by recent, I mean not too recent, but I didn't realize it was this old of a movie. Uh, Dead Poets Society. I got 19... it. 80, 1986, same year as Top Gun. 89. 89 is correct. Uh, wow, you were super confident. Well, I just looked up Ethan Hawke's filmography from oh, yeah. mine, so I kind of I I cheated. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I, for some reason, thought that was a mid to late 90s it movie. It feels like a 90s movie. Yeah, you would does. think so. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's move on. I have a great pop quiz question it for better you guys. Be good. It's pretty good. You're going to hate it because it's kind of a list. Oh, a list. No fucking list. All right. How many Steven Soderbergh movies has Matt Damon acted in? Great question. I knew you had to. There's going to be an Oceans question in here somewhere. <laughs> I love the Oceans trilogy. It's, it, Anthony makes fun of me all the time for it. <laughs> so I got it right there. Do, 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 do. It's more than three. I'll give you that hint. Hey, I'm trying to think. Well, I got to keep the audio going for Okay, the I'm going to guess. All right, we're going to guess seven. Seven, yeah. George? I'm going to go one above three, four. It is seven. Oh, my God. Are... Three in a row. The Oceans trilogy. <laughs> and then also The Informant he directed. Contagion. Contagion. Behind the Candelabra. And also Matt Damon is in Unsane. He has a cameo. He has a cameo, and yeah. as a detective. That's a great movie. Um, he filmed it on an iPhone. Yeah. Oh man, three for three. Wow, this freaking kid three over here. Three. Yeah, he's, he's making me. I look like a chump right now. Uh, wait till you see what happened in the movie trivia episode. <laughs> <laughs> Got stomped on. 
ate me for breakfast. Spoilers, man. Spoilers. After, was, after it, this performance, I need to. Oh, yeah. It's, it's on Thursday. It's coming out on Thursday. <laughs> June 9th. <laughs> this is coming out on June 6th. All right. Moving on, Anthony. What's your pop quiz? Okay. How many narrative films have Richard Linklater and Ethan Hawke made together? So a similar question to you, but with Ethan Hawke and Linklater. So eight now. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with eight. <laughs> I'm also I gonna say eight. Eight. It's eight. Do you want to? How about George asks his question? You maybe you can come up with one real quick. Yeah, or <laughs> it is. It's eight films though. Uh, even though I said it. <laughs> All right, George. What's your question? All right, I have a it's little bit fun. of an oldie uh, going back to Tarantino's early days. All right, what we got? Uh, what is the real name of Uma Thurman's The Bride from Kill Bill? Want to go? Yeah, Beatrix Kiddo. Kiddo. It's too easy for you guys. I really thought they would just stop you. Please. Come on, man. Please. I, I have to do better. I have to do way Please. better. It's all good, man. Hey, you're doing your best. <laughs> you, I get it. You didn't want to offend us with any difficult questions. <laughs> you want to get invited back? I get it. I get it. I have a new I, question. I, I, can, I can add to that question. What was her middle name? Good question. Hmm. There we go. That's, 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 that's the good there, stuff, There man. it is. There that's it really is. like good stuff. When is it said? It's got to be said in the in Kill Bill Two with Bill probably. Bill says it to her uh, over the campfire, I believe, or or at the end when they when he's talking about Superman. I think he's doing. He says it before he tells a story of the five point palm exploding heart technique. Um, I do not remember Beatrix. Danger, kiddo. Or, or does he say he, <laughs> he says it maybe in the in the opening scene of Kill Bill Two outside the chapel? I don't know. I don't know what it is. What is it? It is Michelle. Oh, Michelle. all right, nice. Michelle. I had no rather, idea. Rather, rather simple middle name when's yeah. it said when's it said in the movies i can't even think of it i think it might be said it's either um when he's talking to her outside the church uh-huh. in black and white talking about her new last name it might be that scene or the scene in the campfire or it could be the off. superman combo yeah or the superman all right great great second That's question a, yeah great right, good good follow-up to my <clears throat> easy first question and i have a new question that i'm not going to spoil the answer to <laughs> How many Oscar nominations did Robin Williams receive? And if you can, name the movies. But first, I want a number. I'm going to say three nominations. I'm also going to say three nominations. It is four. <sighs> Goodwill Hunting, which, which he won for Goodwill Hunting, then The Fisher King. Dead Poet Society and Good, Good Morning, Morning Vietnam. Vietnam. I figured that was on there. Good question. All right, uh, is that it for our, our questions, Anthony? Who we got for Hater of the Week? We got any fun? I didn't find any unsubscribers. No unsubscribers. Wait, no, I might have one. You gotta have oh, one. I have a ton of screenshots. Yeah, we do haters of the week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so much fun. Because <laughs> they're, I mean, sometimes they're pretty toxic, but for the most part, we have. Many of our fans, they have this running joke of just saying unsubscribed in our, our comments, comments, which is really funny. <laughs> it's just so much fun. But but all the time, people like other people don't know the inside joke. They're like, why are you going to unsubscribe? These guys are great. They're like, yeah. no, I'm kidding. It's just they just want to be hater of the week. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, couldn't, I can't find any today. All right. Well, anyways. My bad. What about um, who's our godfather patron? Oh, we have a special godfather Shout patron out. today. Kevin over at Fourth Room Entertainment has recently signed up for our Godfather Kevin, tier. Kevin, you're Kevin. Godfather patron. We made you an offer you could have refused. The day of our, of our daughter's wedding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and check out Fourth Room Entertainment. Kevin, you've been a fan of the show for a while. We appreciate your support. Patreon. 
keeps the lights on for the show, allows us to do this full time, and you have access to all sorts of things like our Discord. So fun. Watch parties. You're involved in all of our group chats. We really appreciate you. And for Kevin's movie review, he selected The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Oh, nice. Great very, pick. Yeah, a very underrated Ben Stiller movie. I think I like it's that. really great. Good pick. So can't wait to review that for you, pal. Thank you once again, and thank you to all of our patrons. You're all the best. You're amazing. All right. On this day in film history, today is June 6th in 1983. Octopussy was premiered in London, the 13th James Bond film starring Roger Moore. In 1997, Con Air was released. In 2002, come in full circle, The Bourne Identity premiered in Los Angeles. In 2003, Too Fast, Too Furious, Too Fast for Y'all was released. In 2008, Kung Fu Panda and Don't Mess with the Zohan were released. In 2014, The Fault in Our Stars was released. And happy birthday to Robert England, Jason Isaacs, and Paul Giamatti. Ah, Freddy Krueger's birthday. Yes, sir. My stream recommendation for this episode is We Are Marshall. It just got put on Netflix for June. Very solid football movie and emotional true story. I recommend Lights Out on Hulu. It's a fun horror film with a really unique concept. All right, everybody, let's get back into our State of Cinema episode with our special guest, George Carmi. How and, is the State of Cinema? Yeah, well, actually, also, George, let's plug your stuff. So you're on TikTok. Your account is called Movies and Stuff 14. I love how it's like an AOL instant messenger tag. <laughs> yes. <and> so, <laughs> so that's if, like. If I knew I was going to, you know, gain traction and followers, I would have made it something way smaller, <laughs> way, way less 2011 aim. Yeah username it, it proves that it doesn't matter that what your name is it's exactly the content that matters yeah because yeah. i remember i was like trying to find his name's george what's his account <laughs> movies and stuff all right okay well, what was everyone's uh aim chat name jim cricket 319 mine was antoine dev 2 i believe yeah. mine was motorcycle man <laughs> if, I rem- if i remember correctly like 13 year old george Carr. <laughs> yeah i, I am a motorcycle, motorcycle man <laughs> chicks dig motorcycles right <laughs> it's like playing pokemon yellow like i'm the motorcycle man <laughs> all right motorcycle man <laughs> that should be your tiktok handle. yeah motorcycle I, man. I <laughs> all so right the good the good thing about movies and stuff is my content Content is like 99% movies, but every so often I'll post like a gym Instagram or something that has nothing uh, to do for movies, and my comments will blow up like, here's the stuff, here's the answer you're looking for. Finally, some stuff. Yeah, like, you know what? If, if you're looking for it, here it is. Here it is. Spe- speaking of gym stuff, I've from watching those, I've seen that you're also a fan of working out while listening to movie scores, which is what James and I love to do. Oh, no way. Movie scores, like, they pump me up. I'm always like, jacked out on Hans Zimmer more than anyone. Oh, the Bourne movies are so much fun to listen to. We've been listening to scores for a very long time. The first movie that got me into movie scores was The Dark Knight. And in 2008, when I heard that score, I bought the, the double disc set. And then I started like listening to all the Bourne movies by John Powell and a bunch of like great dramatic films. And those really got me into film scores. And it led into me right now to this day, what I listen to more than anything for music is movie scores and especially at the gym. Same. Yeah. All right. What are your favorite scores to listen to to pump you up, bro? Uh, there's a ton, but I mean, exactly what you said. The first movie score that kind of got me into actually respecting a movie score was Hans Zimmer's Pirates of the Caribbean. Nice. Um, Great pick. It's just a phenomenal movie score. And me and my girlfriend recently watched uh, Curse of the Black Pearl and Dead Man's Chest. 
uh, you know, in honor of the Johnny Amber trials. <laughs> I know it's no Amber Heard movies on there. Yeah, no, 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 but uh, there's so many that I listen to. I mean, Hans Zimmer is atop my list between Man of Steel, The Dark Knight, Inception, and Interstellar. This man just does not miss. Um, Junkie XL is another one yeah, that I absolutely great. love. Mad Max, Max is good. Is, yeah. Fury Road. Yeah. I mean, the storm is coming off that soundtrack. Brothers in Arms. I put yeah. those on whenever I go for like a Max or whenever I know I have like a heavy lift on its way. But he also did the, the revamp of... Zack Snyder's Justice League, which I've been listening to nonstop. Um, and then Hans Zimmer also did uh, Modern Warfare, which yeah, yeah. I find just fascinating because I was mm-hmm. never a big video game guy. And I promise you, I listen to that score once a week. It's it is so one good. of my favorites. Same with Assassin's Creed 3, Lauren Ball. Oh, yeah, score. Lauren Ball yeah, is the Lauren best. Awesome. He, did one of the, he did the new Mission Impossible one. You yes. would love it. It's so I, good. I see. I've listened to the score, but I haven't uh, watched the movie. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, if I don't really lift to max out anymore, but when I used to, I would put on "What Are You Gonna Do When You're Done Saving the World" from Man of Steel, and I would fast forward to like two minutes right before the theme kicks into high gear, and that's what like that's what would like get me going. Pretend like you're Cal out. Yeah, exactly. I do, My, I do the same thing <laughs> yeah. with flight. Same oh yeah, flight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same, same thing. Yeah. My Spotify rap for 2021. My most played song was. Uh, from Man of Steel, it was the Hans Zimmer Man of Steel sketchbook track. It's like 24 minutes. It has every thematic element of the movie, like in just like this one giant track. He does that in a lot of his movies. He's got that for like Doom for Amazing Spider-Man 2. He has one of those too. So he's got these really cool, he'll call them sweets as well. And that was my most played song on Spotify Wrapped. And it's 24 minutes and I played it like 180 times. And also Imagine the Fire. <laughs> Imagine the Fire from The Dark Knight Rises is another great one to get me going. Gotham's Reckoning. I mean, and also Tenet. Yeah. Well, that's Ludwig, I'm sorry. But Tenet yeah. is just another great score for, I think, working out like Posterity is a great long. Yeah, so like, a I like long, en- high energy tracks for working out. Posterity on that. And then Tangiers by John Powell. T- Tangiers, I've been all over this year. There's some like, Howard Shore songs yeah. from uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy that are really great to work out too, like Fields of Pelennor is epic, but there's so much. I have a whole workout playlist. Of yeah, just mine's called scores. Super Awesome Workout Mix. Yeah. <laughs> so you know it's good. X yeah. Gym. That way you know it's Super <laughs> Awesome. X Gym. I like it. <laughs> movies X Gym. Movie, it's not movies and stuff, X Gym. <laughs> no, just movies X Gym. <laughs> uh, people keep commenting on my gym videos that I should change my name to Movies and Buff 14. <laughs> but um, Daft Punk's Tron Legacy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't care what anyone says about the movie. I understand it's not that fantastic of a movie, but that score, I mean, their techno vibes mixed with this dramatic science fiction elements is just fantastic. I absolutely yeah. love it. And then Obviously, John Williams and the London Symphony Orchestra, Revenge of the Sith is my stand out there. Oh, yeah. there. There's a ton. The, my my shuffle is out of control when I'm at the gym with yeah. these movie scores. Hans yeah. Zimmer actually helped Daft Punk out when they were making that. Joseph Trapanese was the composer who really brought the compositional knowledge for the orchestra combined with their technicality. But Hans Zimmer um, gave them a lot of advice for how to score a movie because they went to him right away because they are all friends. 
Yeah, I love when musicians do movie scores. Like, obviously, Johnny Greenwood working with Paul Thomas Anderson so much and mm. most recently with Jane Campion on The Power of the Dog, but also, you know, someone like Arcade Fire doing her. That's an amazing soundtrack. And I like when filmmakers experiment with working with untraditional film composers and work with, like, a musician or an artist yeah. like Marcus that. Marcus Mufford just did the um, that soccer coach show. What's it called? Oh, um, freaking... Which Barry? Um, no, with Sudeikis. Yeah, with Jason Sudeikis. What's it called? Ted Lasso. Oh, yeah, he, Ted Lasso. Yeah, so Marcus Mumford did that entire score. Yeah, they're buds, right? Yeah, because they did the SNL sketch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, they did the music video. Oh, the movie. The, all the comedians video. did. Yeah, they did like the Mumford and him and Ed Helms and yeah. some other people. That's right. Yeah, Jason Bateman. Classic. Yeah. But I've been listening to like for in terms of movie scores, just obviously Hunt, but like Dune, I've been listening to nonstop for like five months ever since I saw the movie. Mm. Gladiator's back on my most played because that's also epic to listen to at the gym, like the battle oh, yeah. and stuff oh, like yeah. that. But I mean, movie Honor scores, him. movie scores, are, yeah, movie scores are life, man. And you know what I've been into right now recently? You because I played it in the car the other day. The Mask of Zorro by James Horner. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. It's so good. And then the Batman has been James Horner is very yeah. underrated because also Braveheart's really good as well. Oh yeah, it's great. He's an excellent composer. All right, a couple more topics. Let's go over. Uh, first of all, the Nicole Kidman AMC commercial that plays before the film <laughs> has just been approved uh, to go for another the rest of the year, 2022, running in theaters. What do you guys think about uh, her her ad and the ad they do before the movie? Well, plays? I'm glad they trimmed it down to a minute. It, it was like two and a half minutes when it first started. It was way too long. Yeah, and and, when so you, and long. I love I love AMC, but like they play ten trailers. I'm not kidding. They play ten trailers, then all the ads for themselves. And then the Nicole Kidman ad, and it's like 30 minutes, and the movie's about to start, and I've been sitting here watching stuff for oh, almost an hour, and I'm like, I, I, can we just watch the movie, please? No, I guess <laughs> watch I the movie. It, I'm glad they trimmed it up, because it did used to be too long. She like even was like walking down the hallway. She went to yeah. the bathroom, washed her hands and everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was way too long. <laughs> but like as soon as like that, she steps on the puddle with her high heels, and the music goes... It's been fun because every theater I've been to, I think, in the last, like, six months, now it just turns into a raucous round of applause, and everyone's like, yeah. woo! Yeah. Like, I went to see The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent recently, and the movie is pretty good. It's pretty funny, but it's not it's not perfect, you know? But um, I went with a, It was a great crowd, great audience. It was a packed theater. And before the movie started, there was, like, obviously the 37 trailers that AMC shows for movies that are coming out in 2030. And so... <laughs> and uh, we're all... We watched the Top Gun trailer, and then I go, like, woo! And then all the guys in the cinema are like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. And then so like we were doing that for every trailer. Even the even the Downton Abbey one came on. And all the guys are like, Downton Abbey. <laughs> and then obviously the men trailer played and all the guys are just like dead silent. <laughs> and then someone goes, fucking men. <laughs> Wicked funny. And then um, then it's the AMC random commercial, and then she steps on the puddle, and everyone's like, woo, Nicole Kidman. So it's kind of like a, a, a cultural thing now, like a pop culture yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. the Nicole Kidman. I've seen TikToks of it, like this guy went to Coachella, and he did, recited the entire thing while he was there. It's super funny now. I think it's just, I think it's kind of fun now. Now, Yeah, I I, I just think they're playing too many trailers. Yeah, the trailers are it's, too much. It's like, I counted 10 last time, like 10 movie trailers before the movie it's like 35 played. Minutes. It's like, I'm going to go see these movies, guys, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think george you like the amc commercial it's i mean, listen they play way too many trailers and the the infuriating part about the nicole kidman trailer is this trailer is basically trying to get you to go to a movie 
And it's like you're already there. I'm I'm here. I'm at the movie. <laughs> we know the movies are back. We're in the movies. <laughs> yeah. It's like what? Yeah. I, I watch TV when I'm home. I see these trailers. You don't have to convincing me to come to these movies. You know, I'm I'm gonna be at the theater. Don't trust me, Nicole. Don't. I will be at the theater. And it's just it's also like she's dressed to the nine to see this yeah. movie. I'm that watching this nice. trailer, wearing like sweatpants socks and sandals and all a comfort man. sweatshirt all about comfort and you want me to believe that nicole kidman is going to watch jurassic world wearing, <laughs> wearing a pants at shoe. amc i'm wearing a yeah. outfit. not in her private yeah. cinema <laughs> as if she doesn't have like a movie theater in her basement with like 24 seats imax Legit. theater I, it's it's a fun. But That's you, a great point. It's 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 like if you went to McDonald's and you're like eating a Big Mac and there's a commercial. Uh, in McDonald's, McDonald's is like it's like go to McDonald's and eat McDonald's and you're like stuffing your face with fries. It's like I'm already doing that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe I should go to McDonald's. Uh, I am. This. I'm aware that McDonald's exists. <laughs> That's pretty you, silly. We, should we uh should we stop the podcast right now so you guys could plug your own podcast? <laughs> Make sure to listen to Raiders of the Lost podcast. Nicole Kibben, Nicole Kibben wants to tell you to listen to Raiders of the Lost podcast. We make podcasts better. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, Nicole Kibben's a goat. Let's oh go. Gosh. All right, uh, next topic: House of the Dragon and the Rings of Power are both coming out this year. They'll be on at the same time around this. They coming out a couple weeks apart. Which show do you think is going to be better, gentlemen? It looks like House of the Dragon has great production cinematography, an amazing cast. I think it looks excellent. Rings of Power, I wasn't sold on the trailer. It looks very much like a video game, very heavy CGI. I just, it didn't feel right. It just looked like I was watching a a video game. You know, like those little movie bits they put in video games? I felt like I was watching that half the time. Whereas Rings of Power looks like a lot of practical sets, gigantic production and i love the blonde dreads on yeah, one of cool. on one of, one of the targaryens he's got this set of blonde dreads i was like that looks so cool badass i just i love game of thrones and they blew me away i'm looking forward to seeing matt smith as, as this targaryen lead and it's just i i can't wait for it what about you george yeah 100 percent with you the house of dragon trailer it blew me away and I, there's still a little bit of hesitancy because of what Game of Thrones gave us in season seven and season eight. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a massive hater of those two seasons. I liked it. They were they were teasing that the entire show. Entire show. You saw it in the first season. But are you one of those people that's like, I'm not gonna watch it because of what they did to me? Clearly, they're not gonna do the same thing. They're gonna because it got so much hate, they're gonna avoid that. Yeah. So you know it's not gonna happen again. I'm throwing away season eight. It's in the past. I am starting fresh. I love the trailer to House of Dragons. I loved what I saw. I love that it has source material. It's not just this brand new story that's being, you know, pulled out of these writers' behinds. You know, it's George yeah. R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood. That is where I think it has an advantage over the Rings of Power. The Rings of Power, there's no source material, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's loosely based off that that early book. Some notes. Yeah, in, yeah. In yeah. Early so, book. yeah, a piece of paper of writing, basically. Yeah, that's um, it, and yeah. as much as I love Lord of the Rings, I say time and time again, I think that's the best trilogy ever made. Yeah, facts. I did yeah. not love the trailer to Rings of Power. Obviously, it was such a small little teaser. It wasn't the this massive trailer we got for House of Dragon. But House of Dragon, I, I'm more excited for. But you're asking me to 
pick between apples and oranges. I am so excited for the two of them. Yeah, we're very excited for them both. I'm still remaining optimistic for the Rings of Power because I'm just going to go of the opinion that it's not finished. The CGI is not done because the CGI for me with the trailer is what I I saw. And I'm like, that's the CGI for this billion dollar tv show it looks like the cgi from return of the king in the first in the first film in the first trilogy in general so i'm like it's 2022 and that's what they're putting out so hopefully the animation's just not done yet maybe hopefully because that was just like a little off-putting for me i'm gonna remain optimistic for it hopefully they can pull it off but for me right now after seeing the latest official teaser from hbo for house of dragon that trailer blew my hair back it looked sick we finally get like we're gonna have dragons from the start which is very cool targaryens are on the iron throne i can't wait to see the political power i can't wait to see which characters are gonna get killed off i have like a newfound interest in this from after seeing the trailer because i was never the biggest game of thrones fan Anthony got me into it. And we, Day one, bro. I, yeah, Anthony's, yeah. Anthony's a dire. Anthony yeah. read the books before he saw the show. No, I, didn't, I didn't want to say that. He'd <laughs> <laughs> always be like, bro, just wait until it's going to happen. You have no idea. Just wait. Just wait until the Red Wedding, man. I'm like, what is the Red Wedding? He's like, just wait. No, I never, I never, said, right. I never said Red Wedding. I just right. said wait for season two. So you were like, something crazy I actually, I recorded you and Dad's reaction to watching the Red Wedding. That's right. As it happened live. At his old house. That was great. And uh, so I'm just very excited. I think after watching that trailer, the casting... Production value, wardrobe, production design, the CGI looks amazing. The practical effects and practical props, everything looks amazing. Like, but like George said, we've hardly seen anything from the rings of of the rings of power so far. That was a very quick trailer, but right now I'm giving the edge to the the House of the Dragon. Wow, clean sweep by Warner Brothers. So that actually leads into an interesting topic: is the corporate takeover of the film industry by studios and companies like Amazon buying. For example, MGM buying the rights to Lord of the Rings, overseeing the production of these beloved franchises. They're going to be overseeing James Bond. They're probably going to be turning out James Bond TV shows on Amazon Prime, as well as, you know, their entire libraries for MGM, which has one of the biggest libraries of film and television content of all time. They have they now control all of that. And also Disney, you know, buying Pixar, Marvel, 20th Century Fox, Star Wars, plus many other um, companies. The corporatization of the film industry is bigger than it has ever been. And for, I, for one, I'm not a fan of a hand, like a, just one or two or three companies producing all of the films that we're watching. I think that's kind of worrying. I think that films would work better if for competition based purposes, films, tr- movie studios competed against each other. They were trying to make better movies than the other studios because they wanted to win the Oscar. They wanted to have the box office. So there was a, hi- a high amount of competition among the major movie studios. But now that most of the studios are owned by just a couple of companies, that might change in terms of the quality of content we're going to be seeing. That's a really good point, the competition. I never really thought of because you, are, you bring up the anecdote a few times about how Quentin Tarantino wrote his what he thought was his final draft for *Inglorious Bastards*, and then he saw *There Will Be Blood* his, from his friend uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's film, and then he's like, "Wow, he made that. Now I have to rework the script and make it a much better movie because if if he's making a masterpiece like that at this point in his career, in his career, I have to I have to be a better filmmaker and writer too." But now, since like all these studios own so many properties, like Disney probably doesn't really care. Like the Marvel doesn't have to compete with Star Wars anymore. Pixar doesn't have to compete with the studio anymore. Disney so. and Fox don't have to compete anymore. Yeah, they're owned by Disney. So it, it is. It's a little worrying. It's it, it. 
I, I feel like it was inevitable at some point in a corporate world that we're living in in the Western culture, Western civilization. It seemed like it was inevitable because you just watched how it happened in the real world with Walmart, with Starbucks, with corporate takeover of every industry. It was only a matter of time, really, for it to happen to film and entertainment. And we also don't – we never really think about how, how much smaller movie studios are than major huge corporations. Like, yeah – Fox has always been a big company. Warner Brothers is a big company, but they're nothing compared to the companies that now own them. So they're they're always like small fish in the giant ocean of corporate of the corporate corporate world. So that's why you're right. It was inevitable that major corporations that could afford to buy them just as like this is pocket change for us would eventually happen. What do you think, George? Yeah, completely off of your points. I think there's just too few large corporations holding on to way too many products. I think we're going to see way too many large blockbusters. Obviously that's going to rake in the cash for these companies and that's all they care about. But from an audience standpoint, I think we're going to start seeing a lot of saturated projects, a lot of watered down CGI heavy projects that don't care about, you know, and the necessary story development, character development, the way an A24, everything, everywhere, all at once does. And I think it's, I don't want to say it's going to hurt the film industry. These movies are going to get audiences to the theaters. Obviously you have this massive blockbuster film. I'm going to go to the theater as well, but it's, it's going to be a lot of saturated products and I'm not necessarily excited to see that happen. Yeah, exactly. Will a 24 survive in 10 years? Will movies like everything everywhere at once come out ever again in theaters or will that only be streaming? Well, there's actually been some pretty substantial rumors that Apple might purchase A24. Exactly. So yeah. that's 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 a problem, I think. Yeah. You know, I think A24 is a great studio, but again, they But again, li- I mean, the people who started that studio, they're being offered 2 billion dollars. And are exactly. they are they going to say no to 2 yeah. billion dollars cuz like they spent the last 10 years making an amazing catalog of films and putting them out there and just like just like cutting through the scraps and just like clawing their way to compete against the big studios. How could you turn down a billion dollars from your initial investment of like maybe twenty million in ten years of your life? I mean, that's a hard offer to say no to. Especially their biggest budget movies they've made are probably it's the Green Knight and then Everything Everywhere the All biggest, at Once. Not, yeah, Those are the, the two biggest, biggest production. productions they've done. In the Green Knight, did that even break twenty million? And that know. was one of my favorite movies last year. So can a studio like that survive? No, they they can't survive off that long term. Even though they've had some small some small movies that have been very successful, like Hereditary was very successful, box office stuff like that. But still, like like movie studios, they love making movies. But the whole point of it is they started a business. They're trying to make money so that they can keep making movies. And at some point, that money runs out. If people don't go see these great movies, like The Northman made a fraction of its budget. And that was that was an A twenty four that so a lot of people I that think was they, universal. I know people think yeah. it was A twenty four movie just because it was Robert Eggers, but A twenty four was not involved in that production. And actually, I'm sorry, there's, there's, sad, there's sad news. Um, universal distributed. I'm sorry. Yeah, his Focus Features made Focus it. Focus produced it. Um, the the failure of the Northman put the um, shut down the production of Nosferatu. Yeah, so, so like yeah, Robert Eggers yeah. won't get to make that. Yeah, and like if he made. That movie with A24 that might have upended the studio and they would maybe have to take that deal with Apple. So mm-hmm. it's it's a bit disheartening to see that people aren't going to see these movies that are great. They're original, great storytellers. And I mean, we've talked about before on average, the, the average person goes to the theaters like three to five times a year. We go to the theaters like 50 times a year. It's different for us. But the average person in America, in the United States or Western cultures, that's all they go to. They're probably going to go see Star Wars, Marvel movies. Yeah, I also think, I think that social media is playing a big part in what people are even being exposed to, because we all we all know that your social media is tailored to you, things that you like, and you're put into this bubble 
of the things based upon the history of what you've been clicking on, watching, liking photos and videos, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, they, they make content that suits that. And so I think that <clears throat> especially for young people, like say, say like there's a young person, like a 14 year old and they, they love Spider-Man and they love No Way Home and they love Into the Spider-Verse, but they also love film. But when they go on Instagram, because they love Spider-Man and those actors so much, when you go on the Discover page, what do you see? It's all Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, Spider-Verse, Marvel, Marvel, Marvel. And so the algorithm is working, putting them into a bubble of the things that they like more than anything. But So they're not really even being exposed to films that they might love, but don't even see the trailers for. They don't even see you know photos behind the scenes of when they go on social media. I There's plenty of movies where... I'll post a clip on TikTok about a, a like a smaller film and people will be like, I didn't even know this movie came out. And I'll be like, I mean, it's not your fault. It's basically the algorithm is preventing the exposure of these movies to people who are watching other things and they won't even know this movie existed. Yeah, that's a good point because the most popular creators are mostly talking about the Marvel movies, DC movies, yeah. superhero movies, Star Wars movies. So that's, I think that definitely is a problem that uh, I didn't even really think about that. Yeah, the so it's, it's more the algorithm just like putting you in a bubble of like the most popular things. It's not even the audience's fault because many people maybe aren't even being exposed to the marketing of the smaller films. Mm -hmm. What do you think, George? TikTok, I think, is is kind of blinding audiences to these fantastic movies that are coming out. And I, I'm a massive A24 guy, Moonlight, Hereditary, Uncut Gems, The Florida Project. These are some of my favorite movies of all time. And there's a lot of these massive TikTokers, these film influencers who are strictly comic talkers. Um, and that's not to say that's a bad thing. You know, it's totally that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally fine. But, you know, they have hundreds of thousands of followers. Um I try myself, you know, shameless self plug. I love to promote these smaller budget movies. I think I do a really good job at doing that. But just like you said, I posted my review uh, a while back to after Yang, uh, the Colin first, Colin uh, Farrell's yeah. um, A24 film. My comments just completely straight. What is this movie? Why yep. didn't I hear about this movie? Who is that? And I, my, my response would be, that's the penguin, just so you know. <laughs> It's awesome. um, yeah. yeah, I'm like, he's a very good actor. You should watch his stuff. Um, but to your point, it, it, it's completely social media dependent. And, and it's, it's a shame to see. I love what Straw Hat Goofy is doing. He's a very big comic talker, but he's also promoting these small budget films that deserve promotion. They deserve our attention. They're fantastic films. You know, everything, every all at once. I am genuinely surprised that it, it kind of blew up the way it did. You know, I think it's incredibly high rating on Letterboxd helped. I think a lot of people were talking about it, but that's the first movie A24 wise that I can remember maybe outside of Uncut Gems or Moonlight that's really had a blow up that way. And as someone that loves A24, I'm going to do as much as possible on my TikTok page to promote all of these films. Yeah, that's a good point. And it still wasn't enough money to make it a profitable and successful yeah. film which is really unfortunate yeah and that's why our our show more than anything we're geared towards film as a whole like we make tiktok clips about any kind of movie from any era and we want to post everything it doesn't just want to be narrowed down to one genre so we want to try and split spread the knowledge of you know the history of film as what as well as lesser known films and smaller films that come out each year and international film for sure yeah, which i think film, is yeah. it's finally getting recognized you know with parasite winning all those oscars bong joon ho winning so many and now people are on the radar especially 
of Squid South Game. Co- of South Korean cinema, which is yeah. great. We've been talking about Sur- South Korean South cinema. Korean cinema is probably the best. I right mean, now. Old Boys is one of my all time favorite movies, but like I, we've been big on South Korean cinema for decades, yeah. and now it's getting into people's limelight in in they're getting attention on it but it's now it's just like it's great for South Korean cinema but what about Italian cinema well French cinema now I I wish I hope people go from South Korea to now what else do what about these other countries what's their cinema like because there's so much great content out there so many great movies so many great filmmakers to explore outside of just American and English and and UK Australian filmmakers oh yeah there's so many and I love South Korean cinema, like The Wailing, I Saw the Devil, Memories of Murder, all Bong Joon-ho's movies. Park Chan-wook. Park Chan-wook's movies, Handmaiden, which he just came out with recently. Uh, and there's, like you said, there's so many great international films. Everyone roasts me for always yeah, watching funny. movies with subtitles. And I do that because there's still so many I haven't seen. And there are so many stories that have been told but aren't really getting watched by many eyes. And I love, and a lot, and other countries... Filmmakers and artists actually have a lot more freedom than filmmakers do in America in terms of the Hollywood studio system kind of controlling, producers being controlling about what kind of films are being made, what exactly is being in the film. So I've found from international films to be much more artistic and free to do anything in terms of the content and the what's being portrayed in the stories. And I like that freedom that the artists have in other countries. Yeah, I just hope people just get out of their comfort zone in terms of like the kind of movies they're watching. It's great if you just want to watch superhero stuff. Hey, it's your life. We love superheroes. Yeah, we love superheroes. We that. just we yeah. did an episode of Doctor Strange. We, we, we just covered love, yeah. we covered it all. But we love all we, movies. We're trying to yeah. we want to help keep film alive in not just new films and independent films, but also cinema from the past. That's why we cover old movies as well. Um, but I think it's really important to always just talk about all film in general. And it's great that some of these really popular creators, they are making content geared towards these smaller budget films, which is really important, I think. Especially you, George. (laughs) Yeah, just to to your point on Parasite, obviously as fantastic as a film it was, it won Best Picture, Bong Joo-ho kind of blew up. The one thing that makes me as happy as possible around Parasite is that that kind of opened the door for a lot of people to explore these foreign language films and not just ignore them because you have to read subtitles, you know, in my uh, top 20 of the year that I posted last year, you know, I had drive my car. I have Kodavati Saida. I had night of the Kings. Can't even tell you how many people DM me on Instagram. Like, Hey, thank you very much for these recommendations. I would have never known about these without this ranking. And it's led me to explore way more foreign language films. And it's, I think parasite is, a huge thing we can thank for that. I don't know if Parasite not winning Best Picture, we would have seen this massive boom in foreign language stuff. You know, even Squid Games, you know, would, would people have watched Squid Games if it wasn't for, for Parasite? You know, sure. something like yeah. that. And it, was, thing is, it was also a box office hit in America. It made yeah. over $100 million. And things yeah. Bong Joon-ho made great movies before Parasite. Yeah, too. I mean, Snowpiercer is awesome. Box office bomb. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So that's the thing, like, He's this new director for Hollywood audiences and American audiences, but we were like, we've been watching him for years. Yeah, yeah. The, the well, first, yeah. welcome to the party, pal. Yeah, the, <laughs> the first Bong Joon Ho movie I watched was The Host, and that was I think 2006. Yeah, The Host is great. When I was getting into into international film, and that movie was like, this is amazing. Then I watched most of his filmography. So when Parasite came out, I was already hotly anticipating it because I love the director so much. And I mean, I feel I said, like you said, masterpiece gets thrown out too much nowadays. Like just this year. Like there have been several movies that people are calling a masterpiece. And I'm like, to this day in this century, I think there are still like really only a handful of masterpieces that have been made in the last 22 years. Like what? Uh, Parasite, I think, is the, the last real masterpiece, true masterpiece. Social Network. 
Social Network's up there. Uh, There'll be blood. Yeah. No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. And then I'm Inglorious Bastards. That's a, yeah. I put that in masterpiece. What so I put those as masterpieces. What about a Gladiator? Gladiator. Well, it's two thousand century. Yeah. Okay. I'll put Gladiator up there. That's biased. No, though, maybe. Yeah, that's because it I might love, not be a masterpiece, my, but we just love. No, that I movie. Would, yeah, I wouldn't call it a masterpiece. Yeah. I, I love it, but I but those are like that's what you call a masterpiece. But I, I've already seen several films just in the last two years. Like when it's masterpiece, masterpiece, masterpiece. And it's like let's like. I mean, I, that's just me. I mean, you, no, if, I agree. I don't yeah. even think there's been a masterpiece this year yet. Probably, mm. you know, I think my favorite, my oh rank, no, yeah, there my rankings this year so yeah. far. It's it's like the Batman, the Northman, and then probably everything everywhere all at once. That's my yeah. top three of the year. Not none of them are masterpieces. But, yeah, but I'm saying also, I'm saying in the last three years, I haven't seen anything come even close to Parasite. No, you're not right. even close. You're right because that was 2019. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I gotta think back. Like what came out last year. What was the, what were the best movies that came out last um, year? Um, Coda, Last Duel. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh yeah, Dune came well, I mean, out. Dune is pretty. I good. love Dune. Yeah, but it's, it's a masterful mas- film. Yeah. but you can't. I, I don't think you can call Dune a masterpiece because it's not a complete. It it's not a complete story. Yeah, not, not finished. It's halfway through, so it doesn't have the right Timmy, conclusion. I gotta turn up. <laughs> Paul Trade. Paul Trade. cover your ears. <laughs> <laughs> Our fans are like, I can't believe this is being said on this show. <laughs> But I, but I just think it's not a complete story. You can't call it a, a complete masterpiece. That's and, true. But I just think Parasite, like, absolutely undeniable. It's one of the greatest films ever made. Oh, for sure. Top 100 all time. Yeah. Absolutely mm-hmm. agree. It's a very important word, though. It's, it shouldn't be yeah. thrown around loosely. Yeah. But I think we're we're living in a great state of genres, specifically for sci-fi and horror. Oh, we, yeah. We talked a little bit about horror and the boom, but sci-fi right now is really exceptional and we're getting all sorts of stories told you know with Denis Villeneuve with Blade Runner 2049 and Dune Alex Garland making movies that people thought were impossible to make with those two Mm -hmm. especially the sequel to the masterpiece of Blade Runner Alex Garland's movies yeah Ex Machina is great Annihilation's really good looking forward to see men when that comes out uh, this month right I mean in May you mean fucking men (laughs) men (laughs) but um the state of sci-fi is exceptional but I would say right now the most the the, probably the 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 most hurt genre in film is probably comedy. I can't really think of like what well, no, they... comedy's thriving on streaming. On streaming, yeah. so... no, the 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 mo the, the genre that's taken the biggest hit of the last several years is the medium budget drama, either period piece or just a straight up contemporary drama. Movies that would be a movie that would be made for thirty to forty million dollars used to be like an Oscar contender, used to perform moderately well. Not it wasn't a big hit, but it would make a hundred million. It would make its money back. These movies used to get made all the time. But now that has disappeared. So now you're those well, it's not completely disappeared because I mean the power of the dog is that, but it was a re- it was a streaming release. Yeah, but it's not a thirty million dollar budget. What was um, that like? Ten, fifteen, yeah, maybe tops. Okay. So very still. That's what I'm saying. That move that genre has moved into indie film. We call that an independent film made for a very small amount of money. It's either movies are either that or big budget. Whereas it used to be very common for films in the thirty to forty million dollar range to get made by studios. That was those were made all, often, and they weren't huge hits but they were making profits for the movie for the studios those have basically disappeared so with dramatic films those are generally going to be much smaller budgets nowadays so that that genre has taken the biggest hit at the box office yeah maybe you're right because yeah. i mean no one saw last duel and that movie no one saw great. last that's that that was actually a big budget, 90 million 90 million but that's mil. that's different it really scott movie so it's not quite the same but movies in that like medium budget movies uh, rated r dramatic films those are taking the biggest hit 
Yeah, but I'm just so happy that sci-fi is doing so well. E- even just the space genre is just killing it. Like Ad Astra, I think, is one of the most underrated movies in the genre recently. The Martian is exceptional. Obviously, Interstellar is a goaded movie, but like we're just we're killing it in science fiction right now. I'm so happy about we're it. We're destroying it. Destroying science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, science science fiction. It was the golden age of science fiction was the 2010s. I mean, you you threw around the word masterpiece to. I think too few movies in the 2010s. I'd, I'd add masterpiece to like Arrival, Blade Runner 2049, Mad Max Fury Road. I think those are all timers. I actually I like I like Blade Runner. I like Blade Runner better than Dune. I'm taking I'm putting that over Dune. Yeah, so much. It's your life, guys. You live your life. So am I. <laughs> it's, it's really great. I love it. That's, that's, I think if we're, if we're talking, you know, states of cinema, I think the genre that is in the best condition right now is the horror genre which jumps right back to our previous conversation of, you know, the young upcoming directors between Eggers, Astor, Peel, Krasinski, even Olivia Wilde with Don't Worry Darling. We are in fantastic hands. I mean, even this year we have X. Men is X coming out. X was awesome. X yeah. was fantastic. I, I was so Ty happy West. to see. Yeah, it was fantastic. Seeing A24 kind of move away from their typical, you know, psychological horror, their typical visual nuance pleasing yeah. horror into slasher horror was fantastic i don't think it was a top tier a24 film but for what it was i thought it was fantastic and they even have men coming out bodies 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 uh is disappointment boulevard an a24 Later film? This year. Yeah. yeah yeah it is a24 but still i think we are in fantastic hands in the horror genre even last year i think last night in soho i know that movie gets you know a little destroyed by the critics and audience members i thought it was fantastic to freaky run you know we're the horror genre is in a fantastic state and i think comedy is where we're lacking and i know you bring up streaming and i agree with that but when you look at comedy from 2010 till today compared to the 2000s comedy in the 2000s that was the golden age of comedy you have the hangover borat juno super bad bad santa and bruges Anchorman, Tropic Thunder. I mean, this list can go on and on, and I don't think we've seen that quality of comedy throughout the 2010s and certainly not into the 2020s. I mean, we've had some decent comedy movies this decade, you know, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Bill Burnham's Inside, Mitchell's Versus Machines, and even uh, Palm Springs, we'll call it comedy. But compared to what we saw in what I consider the golden age of comedy in the 2000s, I don't think comedy has been the same. That's but, because of the cultural change of what's accepted humor. I think yeah. more than more than audiences being interested in comedy or or quality of comedy, the quality of comedy has changed because comedy has changed, and so those movies, many of those movies, can't get made nowadays. So. And, yeah, and also those are multi-genre movies. I mean, everything all everywhere all at once. That's, that I wouldn't even classify that as a comedy, but it has comedic so elements funny. to it. It's yeah. really funny. Mitchell's versus the Machines. That's like an animated film. So. You have a great point about Marvel. Yeah. So now yeah. comedies are really Marvel movies are, are, the, are the comedies. Funniest those movies are the funniest movies. movies you know, yeah. and then. Most recently, the only like great comedy I can really think of that is just a straight up comedy is the like, Game Night. That's still an old movie though. That's like what two thousand sixteen, yeah, six years old, something like that. But that's that's like a, a great original comedy that's very funny, and that used to be the norm going to see these great movies coming out as a comedy. But it's been it's been I so think long. It's, I think it's become a lot harder for comedy writers to really push the boundaries of comedy because it's less accepted to have that freewheeling comedic like I'm gonna offend, let's try to offend people. I think that it's comedians and comedic writers have to really walk on eggshells nowadays. And I think that less things are getting approved in terms of comedic ideas and jokes and concepts. And so I think comedy has become watered down 
because I, wa- I watch plenty of things on streaming, like comedic stuff, and I find very little of it like hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like like you said, in the 2000s, we were getting gut busting. Yeah, great comedic films. And that, like you said, has really disappeared. And I think it's because the culture and the opinion of comedy has changed. And you could also say that there aren't like those great comedic stars anymore that are leading movies. Like yeah. Will Ferrell, he's been doing it for since the 2000s. So like, and there's always, every decade has these great comedians and like Steve Carell, yeah, but he doesn't really do comedy that much anymore. He's more drama now, which yeah. is great because he's such a talented guy. But he did plenty of great comedies, like like Knocked Up, I mean, on, like 40-Year-Old Virgin. And so those movies are really great. But like, wh- who's like the current like, great comedy icon in film right now that's that's young and upcoming i can't really think of like a great big star that has that status that like will ferrell no jim carrey no eddie murphy right now no jim carrey no will ferrell no steve martin all these icons no richard pryor that are making great movies it seems like people like who like stand they're just strictly stand-up comedians nowadays where it used to be like stand-ups used to become the comedy stars Mm -hmm. like jim carrey started as stand-up Eddie Murphy started a stand-up, but I don't see many stand-ups becoming, like, comedy stars. Yes, they're acting in movies and stuff, but they're not becoming, like, the new comedic actor of the moment. Like, I'm not going to see the new Will Ferrell movie, not going to see the new Jim Carrey movie, new yeah, Eddie Murphy That doesn't movie. really exist yeah. at this point. I feel like I can't think of anyone yeah. up and coming that's that's young and like that. You're right. Yeah. I felt like Donald Glover might have done that, but he's taking such a dramatic route with his career, which I really like because he's super talented, but he seems like maybe he could have done that maybe. because his, his stand-up yeah. was so great and he was young and Atlanta was really good. But I really like his approach to his career so far with the music and films that he chose. Yeah, he's just he's just uh, all-encompassing talent, so he's com- comedy isn't just his only thing. Yeah. Obviously, Jim Carrey is a great actor, but Will Ferrell is an example of it's comedy. He can do a couple of good roles like Stranger Than Fiction. He's very good in, um, but mostly 95% of his career is comedic driven. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's I think that doesn't exist. The big comedy star is gone except for stand-ups. They're still here, yeah. but like in terms of new ones. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really interesting. Because like, what's the who's the Italian comic? Sebastian, Sebastian Maniscalco. I, 20 years ago, he would have he'd be starring in movies left and right right now, but now he's just still doing stand-up. Well, he's not just doing stand-up. He's selling out. No, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But like, he's like, he's a modern-day Eddie Murphy. Yeah, yeah. But he's not. He doesn't have a ton of movie roles. He was in um, Scorsese's in The The Irishman, Irishman, but that was a um, dramatic because he's super Italian. He fit that role perfectly. You don't see Sebastian leading movies. So Tiffany Haddish is someone who you could say who's kind of there, but I, I wouldn't say she has the star power that. Someone like Jim Carrey had in the '90s, yeah. So I don't, or, or Will Ferrell in the 2000s. Yeah, that's a good point. This is a, it's been an odd decade. Yeah, it's for hard comedy. for comedians, I think. Yeah, and that's not to say we haven't seen fantastic comedy movies because oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. we've still gotten the other guys. We've still gotten Grown Ups and Ted, yeah, and like, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but those make me laugh. Like oh yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah. 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 Top of Thunder Buddies for life. Yeah, Twenty One Jump Street. We also saw the yeah. Nice Guys and even Wolf of Wall Street. If you know, they're not pure comedies, but we're still getting comedic aspects in movies, which are fantastic. But it's to your point. It's a lot of filmmakers just they can't get away with the things they used to. Borat could never be made today. The original Tropic one, Thunder, no, yeah, no Tropic yeah. Thunder could never be made today, and it's 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 taking away from these classic gut wrenching comedies that we used to get. Yeah. All right, one one more topic, and then we'll we'll call this a wrap, guys, because we're like an hour and a half in. How do you feel about the soft reboot that's just been getting beaten with a dead horse with every studio and every property? <laughs> you mean a soft reboot with legacy characters? Legacy characters, <laughs> soft reboots, and reboots in general. Like, uh, what are your thoughts on it? I'm honestly, I'm not the biggest fan of them. I understand that they're necessary, but for example, I like to say that 
the most recent Star Wars sequel trilogy, I think it would have worked better if it was just a different story with new characters, like maybe set 100 years after the events of the films of the of the 70s and 80s, and then completely new cast of characters with that being like history and lore for the characters, rather than bringing in the old characters, because all they did was disappoint fans with their new interpretations of each, of each legacy character. Um, I think that, but, and then to contrast that, Jurassic Park didn't feel like Jurassic Park without Sam Neill and Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum. And Jeff Goldblum. So it goes both ways, but I, I'm always a fan of, you know, you have the property, maybe try and tell a new story with it. Mm -hmm. What do you think, George? Yeah, could, could not agree with that. I am very, very critical on my TikTok about any reboot, soft, hard, and mm. I, I favor soft reboots more so than hard reboots. I don't like just starting from scratch with the same characters and the same story. So I respect a good soft reboot, you know, Mad Max Fury Road, Blade Runner 2049, even this year's Scream. I think these are good movies. But like you said, Star Wars, the sequel trilogy is the perfect example. I don't think they should have ever continued with the Skywalker saga. I think it should have been a brand new trilogy, brand new characters, brand new story outside of the Skywalker saga. So it's not saying that, you know, we haven't, the soft reboots, they haven't failed us. We've had some fantastic movies come out, but we've also had some absolute stinkers. And it's it's more refreshing to see new content, especially when we have movies like, you know, like a Malignant or a Nine Days. Like these original scripts are out there. And clearly a soft reboot's a massive cash grab, no doubt about it. You, you soft reboot any franchise, I'm going to watch it. But there are original scripts floating around, and it would be nice for CD Studios take those as opposed to just you know rebooting old stories and characters themes yeah no i agree because i think with with movies like the star wars trilogy the new one and some other ones especially even with star trek the soft reboots reboot reboots for them i like the movies a lot and they're a lot of fun but it just feels like they take what was created in the past these great stories, these great characters, these great character arcs and character transformations and ideas. And these and they all had great, intense thematic elements. The old Star Wars movies, they're dense. You know, a lot of great themes. Even the old Star Trek shows and movies were like that too. But now it's just turned into just, they, they've taken that and just, it's been diluted down to just kind of like a skeleton of what it once was in a way. But even it's telling the same story, like the con story still, again. Still entertaining, yeah. still fun time, still like it. We still do episodes on it, still important to make movies that people go see. Obviously, we, we got that's how these other small movies get made because they're owned by the same companies. But then it's just like now it's a skeleton of what it once was thematically and the characters and the arcs and they're redoing everything and like Han Solo went through all this work to become a great character by the end of the original trilogy. Now he's just like a bumbling idiot again and just doesn't make any sense. And then what's going to happen the third time they do the soft reboots in another 25 years? Then it's just going to be a shell of 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 a skeleton. Like what's what's yeah. the next? It's just gonna be the bone marrow inside there that's left. Who knows? I, I don't know if studios were are afraid that the movies won't perform well, but I mean, if I think that things like the Mandalorian proved that fans of Star Wars will show up to see a Star Wars movie, and it doesn't have to have the the famous characters in it. I think exactly. That, I think that movie still would have made a, a billion dollars if it didn't have Harrison Ford, um, and didn't have didn't have Leia or Luke in it. So. I mean, I just think that they should trust audiences more and be willing to not – we don't have to spoon feed them in order to sell them a product. They can We can try new things out, and I think that they'll still respond really well to it. I think Star Wars is probably the most valuable movie property except for Marvel, and so 
the new Boba Fett show, the new Mandalorian shows, and the upcoming Marvel uh, Star Wars releases show that people crave that that world, and it's okay to make new stories and new characters, or even draw from the TV series or the lore of the books, which they are with the series, and audiences will still enjoy it. Yeah, the soft reboots are just everywhere, and then it's also the origin stories now that everything has to have an origin story. It's driving yeah. me, driving me bananas. Origins. Everything's got to be an origin story. Just <laughs> give me a fully fledged character. <laughs> yeah. So, for example, Raiders of the Lost Ark. The first Raiders of the Lost Ark is such a perfect example of how to do the first movie in a franchise because when that movie starts, Indiana Jones is already Indiana Jones, and the first fifteen minutes is like a first mission of his where we we're shown everything we need to know about Indiana Jones. He goes through this uh, adventure. Uh, he loses in the end, but we understand everything we need to know about the character. We understand his morality, and we love him already. And then the movie starts. But that's like it's like a first. It's like an opening scene where that's the. That's not even an origin story. It's just to catch the audience up to who this character is. But now movies they spend an hour and forty minutes developing the origin, and then they're finally the character by the end of the movie. And it's beginning to be like I don't want that approach anymore. I. I I love the original approach of this character already exists. We don't need to set it up with a movie. Let's just get going with the first movie. The Laura Croft new one would have been great if they did that. Yeah, exactly. Same thing with just this year, the Batman. Yeah, exactly. Everyone knows, yeah, yeah. Everyone knows Batman's origin story. They just like don't waste our time with it. You know, like there was that big long intro, kind of like an origin story, but it was more of just like an introduction to this very well established character in this universe. And I love that. They did that with Spider-Man. Yeah, Tom well. Holland's Spider-Man. Great example. They, they didn't yeah, have to they, show the origin. No, they didn't have to show the origin. They yeah. didn't. We didn't need to see Uncle Ben being killed. We didn't need the with great power comes great blah, blah, blah. We've seen it. We've seen, we know it. We've seen it. Just jump into our story and don't waste our time. And that's what I loved about this new Batman. Agree. And it's, and it's still early Batman. It's year, and that's also what two. Tim Burton did as well. Yeah. He didn't do an origin story. There were flashbacks. Although Batman Begins yeah. is one of the greatest origin stories of all time. Yeah. That era, that's why everyone's doing it because yeah. they're all trying to make the next Batman Begins. But I think, I wish studios would realize like you don't have to make a, an origin story. Morbius was an origin story. You don't need it to set up it a was... franchise. I know what they're doing. They're like, oh, we'll make an origin story. Then we'll make two more movies and then maybe a fourth. It's like, you don't need to do the origin story to set it up. You can make a great chapter of a yeah. film, of a story. Like John Wick is not an origin story. He's just becoming John Wick again and yeah. it's a great franchise. Yeah, he's already John Wick when the movie starts yeah yeah exactly. he just unleashes he unleashes that beast within oh, yeah. i've seen one yeah. more goddamn origin story. like we don't need to see how did john wick become john wick how did he become an expert at martial arts and, and shooting guns where did this start we got that in movie three yeah you know, that's where we learned about john wick's past it's great man but anyways right. we know that's gonna happen a, a, a soft reboot of john wick with an origin story for the first film with shorter hair <laughs> starring adam driver <laughs> oh man all right i think that's that's a a wrap that's on a wrap this episode fellas that was great that was a good one yeah, yeah great thank job man for, thank you for having me thank yeah. you for having me so follows yeah you want to plug nerve, your my nerves died down a little bit yeah, yeah we're pretty chill guys get into that, yeah everyone go check out george on tiktok his account is called movies and stuff 14 
that is not an AIM username. That is his TikTok username. <laughs> he has lots of great content on there. Lots of movie takes, great hot takes. takes. Yeah, uh, he's over one hundred fifty thousand followers. He's his account's been blowing up the last six months. So check him out. He's a lot of fun. He also posts workout videos. If you want to check those for the stuff, <laughs> movies and buff is coming soon. <laughs> Thanks for joining, George. That was a lot of fun. Become a patron today at Patreon.com/slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Take care, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson. This episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast has been executive produced through Patreon thanks to Cody Moen, Calvin Cam, John Agratz, and Lawrence Smertz. Thank you to our producers.